Hi everybody, my name's Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I sat there going, God, could you do that? Could you do something that large? Could you move in our hearts and the hearts of people we don't know across the world? Um, Because hope is always about hearts, right? It's not a word. It's not something in a dictionary. It's not something on a banner. It's a prayer that's so bold it asks for everything that we know can never be fixed. To be fixed in the name of Jesus. And in some way, it took me back to the prayers of a woman named Pam Went, who prayed for her son's best friend. Um, she prayed that he would know Jesus. And she prayed that prayer for, I know many of you I know have prayed years for people. She prayed that prayer for uh, four years from the first time she met me. And she asked that God would change my heart. Uh, she knew her son loved me, and she wanted me to know that same love from Christ. And so bold prayers matter. Bold, bold prayers change hearts. And um, <clears throat> man, I, want, I want to join you. And I want you to write prayers for everything I do. Um, gosh, I was so thank you. Um, we are in, you know, the, the, the downside of what I do is I have to follow things that mess with my heart every week. And I have to go, well, I was going to say this, but now I'm going to say this. And um, uh, the Spirit of God's a little bit like that, though we had one direction and the Spirit of God rises up and moves us another direction. But they all land us back at the same place, and it's that Jesus Christ is good, and that the hope of God is for all people, and it doesn't just make worshipers, it changes systems, cultures, conflicts. One of the hardest conflicts to repair is the family ones where we've been so hurt and wounded, we just don't see hope on the other side. And yet even in Jesus, the most broken family relationships can be restored. That's the hope we gather around this morning. Uh, the, the hope that's described in these words. Let me read, uh, as you leave today on the back, we've got these cards and stickers for you to adorn everything in your life with. And we want you to take these because we're going to sit in this verse in our hearts all year long. Acts 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. When we kicked off this series, um, Gary let us know that the council was amazed because they were a bunch of idiots. And then he had us turn to each other and say, hey, you're an idiot. And um, that was, I guess, a freeing experience for us. But the reality was the other side of idiot was this. There's just nothing special about them. It's the God who is with them that makes everything amazing. And so today um, we get to hear a story of one of our leaders. You know, when we talk about hope that moves PCC, um, we're not a church. We're a mission So much that happens with a church at its core, with a church at the heart of the mission. And what happens if you take the heart out of the body? Any doctors in the room? Right? You take the heart out of the body, the body stops living. 
The church is at the heart of the mission, but the mission is broad and it reaches far and it's the community center as you heard and it's the preschool as you heard and today we get to hear about school-age childcare from their new executive director. And what's exciting is, you know, I shared a few weeks ago that I was visiting with a local Redwood City principal and we were talking about some ways to support their school and he couldn't stop talking about their PE Plus program, uh, which Victor Hernandez uh, up till a year ago was the leader of. And he's, he, he couldn't stop talking about it. And as I listened, I thought, oh, he trusts me. He doesn't even know me, but he trusts me because he trusts Didi and Benjamin, the team that was at PE Plus, Hoover leading that. And then he looked at me and said, I want one of your churches in my school. You know, just over a year ago, actually almost a year ago to this date, we started meeting in Hawes School. PCC Hudson began on September 30th. They're celebrating their one-year anniversary. Just under 70 adults left us here on Farm Hill to make that a reality. And as they meet today, they'll have 115 to 120 adults on a Sunday, and they're full. They can't grow anymore. They're in a small school gym. So it's time to do it again. It's just like we have to lean into this and go. But a big part of that is what happens in the mission. And so we're going to hear all about school-age child care and how this came about. And um, I want you to give uh, the gentleman who's going to come up here a huge, warm welcome. Uh, let him know that you're excited to hear about school-age child care. You love him. You love his wife, Kristen Hernandez, who is up here from time to time. Would you welcome Victor Hernandez? <laughs> or get your mic going. All right. All right. Perfect. Um, hey, so Victor, we've known each other a long time. We did student ministry together. Um, and uh, prior to that, I would walk across the bridge and I'd see you weekly. This was a decade ago. I'd see you and I'm always like, who is that guy? What's he about? Give us some backstory. Who were you? What has happened in your life through your journey at PCC? Yeah. Well, Carlos and I met uh, when I was working for school age child care uh, as a counselor. Uh, that was my first reason why I came to PCC. I was invited to, to come interview for a job. Uh, I liked working with kids at the time. And um, sure, I'll, I'll take this counselor job here at PCC. I believed in God at the time, um, but, but that was about it. I didn't know um, much more than that. And it was through my first summer here working with the interns and the staff, Marilyn Lynch. Um, and reading Bible time stories for the very first time uh, out of kids' books was the first time that I was truly hearing the message, um, just the way that I needed to learn it uh, as a kid. Um, and I came to Christ by the end of that summer. There, there was a student, and um, she had come from uh, a very gnarly background, uh, been adopted uh, from Guatemala, and just... Yeah, you, you could imagine uh, just everything that she'd gone through. And, but she was the first person uh, that told me that God loved me. Uh, she didn't know much English, uh, but God used her. Um, and I said, if she, um, if she knows it <laughs> and could tell me God, God is real uh, and he has something for me. And so it was that summer that I came to Christ, uh, felt his calling on me uh, to work with kids. And I went away. Uh, Learned how to work with kids, or you know, uh, through college, and uh, came back uh, for PE plus. So there's there's a, a kind of a full circle story here. You encounter Christ serving the very children of school age childcare that you're now leading the ministry, um, but 
in between, you jumped into PE Plus, which uh, provides PE for kids at our local elementary schools. And you did that for seven, eight years? Yep, through okay. the community center. Yeah, you did that through the community center. And then you stepped away. Uh, Why did you come back into school-age child care? It's got a great history. Your life was transformed there as a, volu- as a staff person. What brought you back to that ministry? Thanks. Um, I, I've always just had a soft spot <laughs> uh, for school-age child care and working with kids. And yeah, when I left PE Plus, I, my family and I, we knew that we will still die hard for the PCC mission and just left it open to see what that would look like. Maybe it would be working with student ministries, volunteering uh, with street life, uh, and just through the summer journey, um, God made it really clear um, that he wanted to show me at least this full circle that he has uh, for me and my family and coming to lead SAC. I keep looking that way because our office is that way. Um, but yeah. So, Victor, what happens in here every week through school-age child care? Yeah, Not so, everybody knows. Yeah, so for school-age child care, uh, we pick up 150 kids during the school year, uh, bring them to the PCC campus Monday through Friday. Uh, it's like a Sunday service with just little people. Um, and everyone's out on the lawn. We're having fun. Um, and we step in for a weekly Bible time. And uh, that Bible time... Uh, is a full-on worship service. Uh, I think it puts many uh, church services to shame. And uh, anything that any of our kids could see on TV uh, through shame, it's a huge production. You wouldn't recognize this stage, um, these lights. We get to use everything that we use for these services, uh, for a Sunday service. Uh, And it's awesome. We go all out. Um, and we have great Bible lessons through them. And uh, our hope is that as students step in here and interact with our counselors throughout the week, um, that however long they spend at school-age child care with us, uh, that that sticks. Uh, that there's sticky faith that happens, uh, and it sticks for them uh, for a lifetime. Uh, and that was one of the things that brought me back, too, because I'd seen my cubs, my kindergartners, grow up uh, and to see who they are and to see how, hey, uh, they may not attend church, or a lot of them do. They come to our youth group. Um, I've seen it stick, and there's something about them when I see them around town um, that, you know, um, things suck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. Uh, Families who haven't said yes to Jesus are allowing their kids to come be part of Bible time right here in this room and to experience what you just described. So let's talk about the dream because the one part that's been really clear is nothing's about like managing what's happening today. Even us, we're in a time of major shifts with our staff and within change at PCC. Uh, you didn't come back so that you could turn the lights on. Is there, oh, there's someone down there that there's you see. My daughter, yeah. Lily. Hi, Lily. Hey. Um, you, but you didn't come back because you wanted to just run things and continue them. What's your dream? How can we pray with you for the future of school-age childcare? Yeah, so our our team at SAC, uh, we have a dream and we have some prayer requests uh, for you guys. Um, Bold prayers. Um, We've outgrown our space here. Um, We we can't take any more kids and we have a waiting list. So um, we are praying and we have a dream that we're going to go out and have uh, a sister site uh, or serve at schools. we, we have parents and families and schools that have asked for it. So uh, we're looking for, for the right space, the right timing, uh, the, right, the right path um, to do it. And we're hoping God shows that to us. I also have another prayer. Um, and just to get everyone an idea of the demographics of the families we serve, um, 
it's not a requirement that, that they attend PCC. So we serve families from all over Redwood City. Um, and because we run with, through a state license during the school year, families can opt out of the Bible time. Uh, when I first started working at SAC uh, 10 years ago, um, it was just two students uh, whose families opted out of Bible time. Uh, it, it was cute. Little by little, they, it happened. They were here for Bible time. Um, and I, I could share that story with you later. But uh, today, um, I shared this prayer with the staff last week that our number is up to 21 uh, families, uh, students whose families have opted them out of coming to uh, our Bible time. Uh, we don't push them away. We say, yeah, you're, you're still welcome. We love you. Um, but that's just a, demo, just a glimpse of how the demographics has changed. Um, but through prayer. So when we sh- shared that with our staff last week, we asked them to pray. We call it Grace Club uh, because they go in a separate room with our counselor whose name is Grace. And um, after that week, uh, we got calls from two separate families, three children, um, whose families were opting them back in. Their, their children asked if they could join us, and uh, we got the call from the office, and they said yes. So our prayer is uh, for space and for that dream as we go out and uh, for our Grace Club uh, kids right now, that, that, that number. We're going to share with, that was just with the staff. Today we get to share with all the congregation. It's going to be pretty awesome. I, we're expecting big things. Yeah, that's good. So we're going to pray for Victor right now. Um, if you've been here the past few weeks, you know the routine. I'll invite you to hold your hands forward as a sign uh, and just to join me in prayer as we pray over school-age child care and the team there. And we're going to um, – I'm going to model this prayer after what, uh, what Tom just modeled for us when he started our morning. So let's pray. Jesus, uh, we ask for first one – and then many sites where every child in our city who needs after-school care could have it. And we ask for the men and the women to care for them, to love them, to teach them, to be the staff who does that. And we ask for the families that opt out of Bible time that there would be trust to hear the story of hope through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey, can we thank Victor for sharing this morning? Great job. Hey, Victor, what day do you do the Bible time? Oh, yeah, I I totally wanted to share that. We share it on Thursday. What time? Uh, Depending on band schedule, it's 1.30. 1.30 Thursday. If you're free, join us. I'm sure they would love regular greeters and welcomers. And if any of you feel called to just plant yourself right there in the parking lot when those vans unload. Can you imagine if you were there to greet those kids? Uh, don't do it just for them. Do it for you. If you want your spirit to rise, you watch these 150 kids come out of these vans and pile into this campus. It's unbelievable. So write down 1.30 Thursday Bible time. If you can't come, pray, please. I hope you see that God is doing a great thing through all of us at PCC. Aren't you encouraged? Yeah, I am too. I am so encouraged. So we're in Acts chapter 4, in ver- uh, chapter 5, and we're looking at the early church, the first followers of Jesus for three weeks, and uh, historians are pretty much all in agreement. Tons of books, tons of doctoral dissertations have been written on this very question. How did this fledgling group of followers and their faith in Jesus, how did it make it out of the first century? Uh, they're all in agreement this should not have lasted. 
Think about it. You have a handful of uneducated, mostly illiterate Jesus followers, and they're sandwiched between Jerusalem and her massive religious system and the Roman Empire and the most powerful empire on earth. That's where they're sandwiched between. Both are intent on squashing the new fledgling movement. 2,000 years later, Jerusalem is filled with Christian tourists and pilgrims. Rome is filled with crosses, not representing the thousands of crucifixions that took place. The crosses represent just one of the thousands of crucifixions that took place, the crucifixion of Jesus. Question has to be asked, how did this happen? A British author, her name's Karen Armstrong. Uh, You can Google her, Oxford educated. She is no friend of evangelical Christianity. She summed it up in one of her books this way. Yet against all odds, by the third century, Christianity had become a force to be reckoned with. We still don't really understand how this came to be. Now, she may not understand it from her secular worldview, but we've been looking at it in the historical document in a book called Acts. And we understand it fully. When the, here's what happened. The resurrection happened. The early church was not built on the teachings of Jesus. It actually died when Jesus was crucified. There was no early church. It wasn't built on the morality of Jesus. It was built on the historical event. The church never existed. Actually, this might ruffle some feathers. It wasn't built on the Bible. There was no Bible when the church came into being. It was built on the historical event called the resurrection. The Holy Spirit was unleashed, and a creation of this new community called the church went out into the streets of Jerusalem. They couldn't deny what they saw. A man was crucified that they followed. He was dead for three days. He was alive again. And so for three weeks, we've been looking at what happened to take Armstrong's question. Week one, we talked about a bold identity happen. These early followers reoriented their whole identity. And Carlos told you, it's our theme verse, get a card when you leave, memorize this verse. They were unschooled, ordinary, the Greek word idiotes, that's why we called you idiots, ordinary men, but they took note they'd been with Jesus. Then last week, we talked about bold praying happened. Um, Self-centered praying leads to self-centered people. These people prayed outside themselves. And I would just step out of this message and tell you, if there was ever a time, church, we needed bold prayers for the church as we're in this transition time, stepping into this mission and staff coming, staff going, we need them right now. So please be praying for us, okay? Bold praying happened. And then today we're going to look at this one. And this one's not easy. But come on, what in the Christian life is easy? Who signed up for easy? That's heaven, right? Bold obedience. Turn to someone right now and say, bold obedience. Actually, I would just ask, even as I I put this title out, gosh, six months ago, uh, is there any other kind of obedience? (laughs) I don't know if there is, right? Uh, So in the context, we've been looking at two guys, Peter and John. What happened? A man was lame. They were in Jerusalem. He uh, had been lame for his whole life. Uh, He asked for money. They healed him. Uh, He came to to walk, and not everyone was excited. The religious leaders 
pulled him into a Sanhedrin council, very intimidating. Uh, the Sanhedrin would encircle you, drill you with questions. Only three options from the Sanhedrin uh, tribunal, death, torture, or imprisonment. And yet somehow, miraculously, the man that they healed was there with them. All the city is talking about it. They couldn't go through the same, uh, they couldn't go through those three options, so they let him go. And they say, just don't mention Jesus anymore. 2,000 years ago, even, the name of Jesus was controversial. It still is today. Look at Acts 4, if you're in your Bibles. Acts 4, verse 20. Here's their response. We can't stop telling. Telling about what? About everything we have seen and everything we have heard. Now, notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, we can't stop telling about what we've been taught. Because the early church wasn't birthed on the teachings of Jesus. It was birthed on an event called the resurrection. And so they said, we can't stop telling about what we've seen. You can't ask us to keep quiet because we can't deny reality. It's amazing, okay? So the Sanhedrin feel pressure and the early church feels compelled to new levels of obedience. Acts chapter 5, turn a chapter, verse 12 In verse 14, look what it says. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in a portion of the temple called Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 14, nevertheless, more and more women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Now, here's where we're going to pick up the story. Bold obedience. I want to just teach quickly about some principles of bold obedience. It, It sounds really nice to turn to our neighbor like Carol, my neighbor. Hi, Carol and say bold obedience in this church. You know Carol sits right back here. She, you know, she's my hero. Like, talk about giving your all to serve. She's just giving her all. And even though she can't walk up and down many times, she just sits right here. I love that you're right there. <laughs> bold obedience, okay? Look, at, let's talk about this. Verse 17, Acts chapter 5. Are you there? Okay, here we go. Then the high priest... And all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They couldn't stop these guys. And now, that's interesting, isn't it? They're jealous. They have all the power. They have all the authority. They have all of Rome behind them. These are illiterate, common, minority uh, men, minority in the culture, not minority ethnically. And ethnically, they were Galileans. And yet, who's jealous? Do you see this? This is a kingdom thing. They arrested the apostles and put them into public jail. That would be arrest number two. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Tell them about what? New life. It's the best statement we can make over this city. New life is available to anyone and everyone who would turn to Jesus. That's the best thing I could tell you this morning. New life is available. It's an all skate, everybody. Everyone gets in if you would turn to Jesus. New life. So I want to just bring out three principles of bold obedience. Here's the first, page one. Bold obedience will usually be opposed. It will usually be opposed. Look at this. It's just very simple. They arrested the apostles, and put them in jail. The reason I want to say this is because I think, I know in my life here in the West, it's easy to think, 
If God calls me to obey and his will is clearly laid out, the seas will part. It would be like walking into a Disney movie, right? Everything will go great for me. It doesn't always happen. Many times, God will call us into obedience and culture will rise up and it's going to cost something. Uh, this last two Fridays ago, my day off, mind you, uh, I had two appointments I took on my day off. Uh, and it's actually a metric of unhealth for me, so pray for me. Uh, but I took my scooter downtown and had two meetings at Starbucks downtown. And I parked my scooter in the motorcycle parking lot free in downtown Redwood City, and I had my meetings. And I came back to my scooter just as a policewoman is giving me a ticket. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm going, yeah, right. If you're sorry, just don't write the ticket. But I, I sat there holding this ticket going, really, God? Like my first response, really, God, I served you on my day off. This is coming out of your tithe. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But there was an innate part of me that goes, this is the thanks. I mean, like, like, wait a second. I was serving you, God, and now I'm paying a parking ticket. And God said, just use your brain and read the sign. And you won't, no, he didn't say that. You won't get a parking ticket. We honestly believe if we keep our end of the bargain, isn't this right? Choosing obedience, God will keep his end and make our life go smoothly. As if we think bold obedience on our part means our kids never get sick. Or they always walk with the Lord. Or whatever it is for you. I know in my life, I've been here 21 years, I could tell you as a ministry, every step as a ministry we've taken in bold obedience has led to opposition. Whether it was skate church for a season and people in my office, I, I, if I got $100 for every email of a, a well-intended PCCer who opposed skate church, why is the church starting a skate ministry? I'd be a rich man. I remember, you, you've heard these last three weeks, we are the PE provider in Redwood City. 12 of the Redwood City campuses are taught five days a week by PE. We touch over 5,000 kids a week off this campus. I'm telling you, when I share this in other church settings, people are drooling at the crazy favor we have in the public schools. Crazy. And yet I remember our first beautiful day, which was 15 years ago, was our first tiptoe into the public schools. I had, I had so many emails and so many people, well-intended PCCers going, what are we doing in the public school? Why are we doing that? Literally, how is that evangelism? Every step of the way, personally, you could probably build out in your own. Opposition, opposition, opposition. Even in our microsite strategy where we're now leveraging our relationship. Did you hear, Carlos? Schools are now asking us, put a church in our school. We've heard what's going on at Haas and how the whole community is prospering. We want one of those churches. Every step marked with opposition. See, if you intend to live boldly and obey God, put it in your Google calendar or whatever day timer you use. Schedule it. Opposition is coming. I promise you. Look at these verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, I kind of highlighted a word. Can you tell which word I highlighted? And let's say it together. 
who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus said this. Look what he said in John 15 before he died in the upper room with his followers. If, and there's two types of ifs in the Greek New Testament, and if, and this may or may not happen, there's an if and count on it. You could use the word since. That's the sense right here. Since the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. Jesus promised it, right? I'm not sure what opposition will look like for you, uh, but I want to encourage you with these words. We shouldn't be concerned when we face opposition. Think of your life right now. You should be concerned if you're not facing opposition. What kind of statement is that about your bold obedience? Jesus promised it would happen. Paul promised it would happen. If in some area you're not being opposed, that would be a yellow light for me or an orange light or a red light, okay? This is so important and I'm gonna camp out a little bit more because usually it's this opposition that creates the boundary of our obedience, at least here in the West. Friends push back, family push backs, coworkers push back, you may not get the raise, that opposition and then what we tend to do as followers of Christ we step back. We lower the volume. Uh, we uh, slacken in our pace of obedience or in our intimacy with the Lord. That's not the time to do that. Opposition's here, it's coming, it will come. It's just a mark of bold obedience, okay? Turn to someone and say, bold obedience. <laughs> let's look at page two. This is, let's get really good. By the way, it's that opposition, and uh, again, going back to um, uh, church historians, uh, they say it's that opposition in Christians not flinching, not turning back, that pushed Christianity uh, to be a force to be reckoned with, to quote Armstrong in the third century. Uh, when they were killed, they kept their allegiance to Jesus. When they were persecuted, they kept their allegiance to Jesus. Why? Because Christianity was built on an event and he couldn't deny that event, the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the second one. Bold obedience will often release miracles. I love this. But an angel of the Lord at night, verse 19, opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Now, here's what blows my mind. Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, just writes this almost in a matter-of-fact way, as if he's recording something that's no surprise an angel of the Lord comes. You read this story, and that was me, okay? I know I'm Italian. I can tend to be a little um, emotional, okay? I get that, right, John? That's just part of it, amen, okay. I have no gum for you today. Um, I would have put it in all caps like I do with some of my verses here. I would have put it in all, I put emojis with it. I'd be like, wow, you won't believe what happened next. An angel of the Lord came. Oh my gosh, stop the madness, everybody. Sit. I, but Luke doesn't do that. There's no wow. There's no big setup, just a statement. But during the night, an angel of the Lord came. Why? Because Luke investigated Jesus in his first book, the biography of Jesus called Luke. He documented miracle after miracle. And he knew when you walk in obedience with God, you shouldn't be surprised by the miracle of God. Uh, I have a chiropractor, started last year. 
He's a follower of Christ, and uh, in my first adjustment, he came in as a follower of Christ, and he said, oh, so you're a pastor? I said, yeah, and he asked me this, seen any miracles today? <laughs> I was very convicted, and I, I mean, not only had I not seen a miracle, I didn't, even, I didn't even ask for a miracle prior to that appointment that day. I said, no, and he said, why not? And he adjusted me, and he goes, come into my office, and he showed me this. It's his book of miracles. And he said, you know, about five years ago, I got convicted about the working of God. And I realized that I will be working on people that would never set foot in your church. And so I just asked God every day, give me a miracle. He said, I've recorded hundreds of miracles in the book of miracles. It has prompted me with a holy expectation to walk into my day in obedience to release the miracles of God. So important, men and women. And when you walk in obedience, you shouldn't be surprised when God comes through. We shouldn't be surprised. So I want to invite you to join me walking in obedience, asking God daily, do you work miracle? Remember last week, the first recorded prayer of the early church? Boldness, signs, and wonders. And yet we're still surprised at least I am in the 21st century. Uh, three weeks ago, we brought to you the Pink Panther situation uh, that was going on. And the week after we brought it to you, and I'm not saying it's because of us, but the week after we brought it to you, the owner publicly said, okay, no lingerie for my employees. We're not doing that, okay? Now, now we can clap for that. Let's do that. Amen. Because the objectification of 18-year-olds is terrible. Uh, but that fight's still not over. They're still wearing, not, not that I know from personal experience, but from, you know, they're still wearing scantily clad things. But when I heard that, that the owner recanted, I was like, oh my gosh, as if I didn't expect it. And God was like going, well, what do you think happens when the church prays? Miracles. Bold obedience will often be opposed. And by the way, uh, people that stood for Pink Panthers and publicly made statements, civic people faced threats. It was crazy. Talk about opposition. Bold obedience will often uh, and usually release miracles. Here's the last one. Bold obedience will always require faith. Always require faith. Let me ask you a question. How are you with mystery? How are you with stepping into the unknown? See, my fear is we, we serve uh, in such an... Uh, um, a place of intellectual horsepower. That when I talk about mystery and faith, you almost see that as an opposition to the intellect. No, I'm not talking about bypassing the intellect, but I'm saying don't let your intellect be the boundary of your obedience. It never has been in Scripture. It never made sense in Scripture if you read the book of Acts. Every single time God prompts you to do something, it's going to take faith to obey him. Look at verse 20. Look at what the angel told him. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, in case you're paying attention, basically what the angel's saying is this. Go back and do what got you thrown in jail twice. I want you to go back and do that. Now, here's what I want you to do in your Bibles if you have them open. And even in the Pew Bible. If you have that open, blow, blow the minds of the 11 o'clock gathering that will meet here. Uh, look at verse 19. Angel of the Lord came to them at night, 
circle during the night in verse 19, and look at verse 21, at daybreak. At daybreak. You know what that's called? Quick obedience. They're released, and they didn't go back to the room and say, now, did the angel really say go back? And let's parse the word go back. What does back mean? No, 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 no. They went for it. I don't know what you measure as a mark of maturity in your life. I'll give you one. A mark of maturity is the distance between the time of conviction and obeying what you're convicted about. The less the distance, the more mature you really are. See, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, go for it and walk by faith. Because what you have to put your faith in is the conviction of God. This is true in, in giving. This is true in serving. This is true for those of us who are married. This is true if God's calling you to be in a small group. If you're not in a, a regular system of getting in the word and the Holy Spirit's convict you, get in the word. Page three, basically, these are areas we, we're asking God to give us bold obedience in. So important. So important. So what I want you to know in my little time I have with you is this. Bold obedience is usually going to be opposed. It's hard for someone like me that wants to be liked. But I've got to realize walking with Christ will mean many times I won't be liked. It's meant I'm unfollowed on social media. People literally, when I walk down the street, and not that it's a big deal, but see me turn around and walk the other way. Bold obedience will often release miracles. Bold obedience will always require faith. Let's close in verse 27. Let's close with the word. So they go out, they preach, and because of their obedience, they're arrested again. That would be three times in two chapters. Verse 27, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And, you know, this morning in our prayer time, the pastors prayed this over us as a church. Yet you have filled Redwood City. That's what Jerusalem means in the Greek. Redwood City (laughs) with your teaching. Can you imagine what our city would be like if this offer of new life in Christ was filled throughout the city? That's why we do school as child care. That's why we do preschool. That's why we do church. That's why we do the center. Because we want to fill the city with that Good news. And you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now look at their response. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. We cannot stop but share and leak this good news of new life in Jesus Christ. So my closing question is this. What is your must obey area? right now where's God convicting you where's the Holy Spirit prompting you where you must obey God rather than you rather than your thoughts rather than what's culturally acceptable the early church grew and became a force to be reckoned with because of a bold identity followers reoriented themselves centering their lives on Jesus Christ Early church grew because of bold prayers, boldness, signs, and wonders. Early church grew because of bold obedience. 
Young followers said, we're obeying God. Do with us what you will. This good news and this resurrection cannot be denied. Can it happen again in our day? We're banking on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing and what you've done through this church, through your body. God, that area that came to mind when it comes to bold obedience, I pray we would run to it. We would just run to obedience and trust you. Can you just right now make a pact with God in that area, wherever he's calling you to obey, wherever the Holy Spirit is convicting you, you're out of alignment. God, I'm all in. And when this service is over, I'm making the call. I'm writing the email. I'm writing the check. I'm asking forgiveness. I'm humbling myself. I'm confessing that sin. Whatever it is, don't put it off. All in, Lord. Lord, we love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. May you be honored through our lives, much like you were through that early church. Pray this in Christ's name. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.